Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Talking Movies. I'm Max. I'm Tim. All right. We're not going to tell you that we told you so, but ha, we told you so. Well, at least we told you that American Hustle was going to be shut out. A prediction that I thought was outlandish at the time, actually. Um, after we made our all of our predictions, I looked back and was like, man, we're not predicting that American Hustle is going to win in any category. And that seemed like it could have been folly. Um, there was so much hype surrounding the movie. It seemed like that was, for some reason, the one that everyone was kind of assuming would win in a majority of the categories. But it didn't win anything. Suck it, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so how did you enjoy the Oscars um I mean there were amusing bits um none of the uh awards really pissed me off as far as the awards part went yeah I mean I don't um, I don't think there was anything that was award that you know that one that was like oh they should not have won that or this person should have won that you know it was all very like okay yeah yeah like oh i didn't agree with that but i could i'm not upset with that yeah um i liked that uh all the uh the songs were they don't always perform all the songs Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked that they had that this year, and I, I liked that they were by the people who did them. Yeah, because sometimes they just have a random person come out and... <laughs> instead of like what you were predicting. Like, isn't Bette Midler supposed to be a part of this? Is she going <laughs> to sing the song from Frozen? <laughs> and the Bette Midler thing was a little odd. I mean, they have lately been doing a song to go along with the memorial section mm-hmm. or the memoriam section, um, and I like, like I can see why they'd want to do it after the montage because when like i think it was queen latifah who did it one year where they kept cutting away from the people who died and showing her Mm -hmm. which was all well and good for the people in the theater because they could choose where to look but for the people at home it's like we're not seeing who died (laughs) like this is a this is disgraceful that you're focusing on her problem that you can solve with a split screen or a little picture in picture action it's true you know? And if they can do all that green screen or whatever they were doing with uh, pink, then uh, I think they can handle that. Yeah. I mean, I think the pink thing was just like she was standing in front of the projector. I think it was just being projected onto her. Okay. That's, yeah, that's what I thought. But then everybody was like Confused debating it. It was just being projected okay. on her. And I think she did a really great job with that song, but I don't understand why that happened. Yeah. That's um, the, that's the, really the big thing. I mean, like I hopped on Facebook last night and I, you know, you see a lot of people talking about like, Oh, Leo should have won or feel bad for this or why. Or, and I saw a bunch of people upset that gravity won so much and all why what i I don't know what were their like oh gravity had horrible visual effects like yeah (laughs) and that's the thing like and i think that was mostly coming from people who didn't care for the movie so much but it's like you can't say that it didn't have that in those technical categories it didn't achieve greatness i'd like to talk to somebody who hasn't uh or who didn't enjoy the movie because i can't imagine not enjoying the movie Maybe that's just because, like, my personal experience with it was so great. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. I mean, 
I I can't think of like I can't imagine somebody just being like, oh, I didn't like Gravity because, and then following it up with any sort of valid thing. Yeah, I don't know, but but anyway, you know, so I I don't have I have nothing really to say about like you know who should have won or whatever. Like, yeah, it was what it was, and there's nothing you know. It's like whatever, but. I guess the thing that was is more interesting to talk about is just like the the ceremony itself, just like you. There's so much said every year about like how, oh, the Oscar ceremonies are so long and they're so boring and like, you know, the hosting duties are you know the jokes fall flat or whatever it is. But it's just like the things they choose to cut out to make it more streamlined and to make it more palatable to an average audience. Yeah. I just don't understand because it's like, okay, they allotted time in the ceremony for at least three or four montages. I think there were three. There were three of the, the, the theme of the Oscars, which everyone was awaiting with bated breath of what's the, what's the, What's the theme of this year's Oscar ceremony? <laughs> What's it going to be this year? The theme is the hero. <gasps> oh, I can't wait to see what they do with that. They could have so much fun with the theme, the hero theme. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Like, literally, zero people And the people theme, care. it's not even, like, all the theme pertained to what was those montages. Was those montages? Yeah. Then, like, it's not like it, the, the set was dressed in a heroic fashion or anything. Like, I don't even know what the hell that was. Plus, just... so there's that. Plus, they like shoehorned in this like 75th anniversary of Wizard of Oz, which is just so random to choose. Like, why not Gone with the Wind? Yeah, or like any of the movies that came out. Like, and why 75 years? Why not 100 years? Why not 50 years? Like, it doesn't. Like, I just don't understand that. And like, well, 1939 was like a huge year for Hollywood. That's often referred to amongst like classical Hollywood people as like the greatest year but, right, but why there were choose, so many movies released that year that's why that, like why choose to celebrate that on its 75th anniversary why not its 80th anniversary you know why not its 60th it's just like it just seems such an arbitrary yeah. decision and so how like if you were to add up like how much time was spent on like the Wizard of Oz whole that whole Wizard of Oz thing the hero montage talk it's a pretty good chunk of time right that would be time much better spent if they were like, you know, we have this whole, the honorary Oscars, which is kind of like more of a footnote in the ceremony. Like, oh, by the way, you know, we had another secret ceremony that nobody heard about like months ago to honor the careers of these amazing people um, who have influenced us all. Steve Martin, Angela Lansbury. Wait a minute. Is that correct? Yeah, but just, I don't remember the other guy's name, and I wanted to see if you were going to remember it. For some reason, I saw your expression change, and I was like, did I say your name right? Uh. <laughs> um, no, the other was a costume designer. Yeah, I don't remember his name. And then Angelina Jolie got a humanitarian award. Yeah, And the- it's crazy, because it's like, why cut that out? It's like, it's not like the general audience doesn't know who Steve Martin or Angelina Jolie are, or even Angela Lansbury. Yeah. Like, they're all well-known and well-beloved people. Like, why not devote those montages to, like, let's let's look back at the greatest moments in Steve Martin's career, you know, and just have, like, a two-minute thing or, like, a minute thing, even. Yeah. However long the damn hero montage Yeah, each was. of those people who got the special award get some montage yeah. the length of the hero's crap. Yeah. 
and it, it was it's only fairly recently they stopped doing that because i remember um when uh ennio morricone got yeah, his he, he came out and, and clint it, eastwood translated for him yeah and that was great yeah and that was um the the year to the departed one i don't remember what year the 2006 oh, okay. yeah, yeah 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 that just has so much more weight and meaning to it and th- that's real substance the the garbage montage stuff that, that that's not real substance at all it's like a couple of years ago when like roger corman got his it was like i i feel like that was that might have been the first year where they didn't do it live and they, like he awkwardly stood there with lauren mccall and whoever the other person was and like they like stood up for a little clapping after they showed the clips of the other ceremony mm, yeah and then they like said, and it's almost like okay, so because you don't want to acknowledge the influence that Roger Corman has had on you, because he's like a schlockmeister or whatever, it's like how many people in this room would be working right now if he didn't exist? Yeah, seriously, <sighs> he gave careers to an entire generation. Yeah, and like I, I seriously like I didn't know that they were going to continue doing that, so I just thought it was like they're just being shitty towards they, Corman. They did that to Francis Ford Coppola. <sighs> Like, he got his honorary Oscar, and it was the backroom, you know, <laughs> Which And they, sh- they show the clips from that ceremony, and, like, so many of the faces you see are people who are at the Oscars yeah. anyway. So it's like, why not save some time? And it's like, who, Everybody like just... Angelina Jolie is one of the biggest stars on the planet. It's like, why not give her... Like, it's not like people are going to tune out because it's like, oh, Angelina Jolie is getting a humanitarian award. Like, I don't want to watch that. Give me the Shrek montage. It's like... It just it it just is baffling like how, like who's making these decisions, and then it's like okay we devoted quite a lot of time to Pink singing somewhere over the rainbow, with like a whole like intro part where I was like what song is this? Yeah, like, they didn't even just sing the part from the movie. Yeah. Plus Bette Midler's uh, in memoriam song, Wind which, beneath my wings. Yeah, that should have just been she should have just sang that while the montage was going yeah. on, and we can just picture in picture. Then you have that time that she that we had, you know, for her to actually sing it after the thing. Give us like more about the people who we're supposed to be remembering, you know, like when we were watching it, like you said, like they were showing the the picture of who they were and their name. And they had like one one arbitrary movie, one film that like is supposed to sort of sum up their career or whatever. And so many of them had so many things to choose from, right. like Elmore Leonard. Um, I thought they would mention Jackie Brown, or so, I don't remember what they said. Did they say bandits? I don't know. I don't even think it was that. Um, and then Ruth, um, I never remember what her name is. Uh, Ruth, something or other, the one who wrote all the screenplays for like the Merchant Ivory films. They said a room with a view. They could have just easily have easily said Howard's End or The Remains of the Day or Morris or Shakespeare Walla or any of those mm-hmm. things that she made for like forty years. Um, I it's yeah. I don't know how they picked them. <laughs> it's 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 very strange. Like uh, it just bugged the crap out of me, and I ju- I just hate that like. Like I was mentioning earlier how you know, they did have like a thing where the president of the academy came out and talked about the museum they've been building that's going to be open in 2017, which, uh, you know, is devoted to like film history and the history of the academy and everything. But they don't actually give a shit about their own history. 
it's all about now and it's like the or at least they don't think that people watching care about that history but why do they care what we care about we're gonna watch until the end of the show no matter what bullshit is happening because we want to see if somebody trips or something right yeah or if I mean that's not necessarily why you and I are watching <laughs> but you want to but, like, but like you know the, the moments that where like you know Harrison Ford being go, stoned goes, out of his mind <laughs> gets the slice of pizza oh, and, go, the, and then goes back for a napkin that like, was awesome that kind of those kind of moments yeah you know? and the Bill Murray stars being people saying like you know oh his you know Harold Ramis uh, which is the best that Harold Ramis got that night yeah it's like those are the kind of moments that like we like to see you know the that was a beautiful moment when he just like turned aside and just yeah. was like, oh, but like, and he was like in the middle, he'd already like opened the envelope, right? Like yeah, he, he said, that, and he was like, oh, and by the way, like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, those are the kinds of things that like, I think people like to see. Even, and there was, what else did Bill Murray do? Oh, and Darlene Love. Yeah, yeah. It was just, did she her, just like, burst into song. Singing. And then Bill Murray just like pumped his fist at the end, was like, yeah, and stood up for an ovation. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, but it's like you know, we like to see the the stars interacting with the stars. You know? Yeah, like and all these sort of like weird interactions that you would never see otherwise. You know, like Ellen giving Harrison Ford a slice of pizza, or you know, like the the now famous you know uh, the the selfie that she posted on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and so you have someone like Philip Seymour Hoffman who tragically died so young. You've got a room full of people who, the majority of whom have probably worked with him in one form or another over the course of his entire career. And the best they have is like, you know, just a little image on a screen. I feel like it's just, you know, get take that time that they had allotted to Bette Midler's song and like give us something a little more heartfelt you know something like like we, the example that you gave when John Hughes passed away a couple years ago um or I don't remember which which year it was he died in uh, 2009 but um, they they gave a, a a nice tribute to him um on the show with some of you know some of his past collaborators and uh, really sort of gave the, got the point across to the audience that, like, he was someone that we all loved and, yeah. you know, gave so much to the industry and to everyone in this room. And, like, it's like the same could be said for so many of the people who who passed. Um, and you can't obviously do that for everybody. Right. Because, I mean, like, you've got somebody like Shirley Temple who is an icon, yeah. but how many people in the room worked with her because she stopped making films so right. long ago but at the same time it's that's such a huge star mm-hmm. and the same thing with like harold ramis like you you like you were saying like maybe like if if he had passed away like 10 or 15 years ago it would have been more you know the people in the in the oscar crowd more of them would have immediately been able to relate to that yeah philip Seymour hoffman was clearly the most most raw and the one that hit home the most for everybody there. Why not give him something more, you know? And I'm wondering, I don't really know the timeline of uh, the preparations for the ceremony or anything leading up to it, but uh, I just looked up on IMDb. It says John Hughes died in August. And I'm wondering if that's why he had that, because they they had had all the preparation. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like, 
just in the past. Yeah, we we had three weeks, weeks in a row: Philip Seymour Hoffman, Shirley, Shirley Temple, Temple, Black, and, and, uh, Harold John, and Harold Ramis. So it's just like, you know, obviously they can't do this for for everybody and get it get it done. But I mean, that's the kind of content that I think people want to see more than arbitrary Wizard of Oz tribute. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just crazy. But anyway, um, yeah. So that that was the Oscars. <laughs> Um, I had a lot of fun watching the nominees. I'm glad that we got a chance to uh, watch all nine. It certainly is more fun watching the award ceremony when you're yeah. familiar with all of the all of the I, films. I, I'd never most seen of them. I'd never seen more than two before. Really, yeah. just going in. It definitely there's because you just understand the I don't know the dynamic of everything that's going on. But yeah, so hopefully next year, you know, we can try to do the same. Um, <laughs> if talking movies is uh, still around, maybe by then I'll have seen all the nominees uh, or most of the nominees uh, from all time. I've yeah. got uh, 161 left. <laughs> That's crazy. So yeah, well this this weekend was was busy for us not just because of the Oscar ceremony on Sunday, but on Saturday we both. Uh, participated in Playfest at uh, the Charles Harwood Theater. Yes, that's what I meant to say. It's a 24-hour Playfest we've discussed before. We were picked as writers. There were 10 writers. They gave us our topic Friday night at like 8 because we met at 7. I think by 8 they gave us our yeah. topic. And we got our teams. Teams of actors and directors. All just picked out of a hat. And uh, our theme was time, and we were given uh, a line of dialogue we had to incorporate into our scripts, and the line of dialogue was, shh. And uh, and then we had until 5 a.m. to write a script, and then the actors and directors showed up at 7 a.m., and they were given the script, and they had until 8 p.m. to... uh, throw it together and try to put it on yeah so um yeah so saturday night we i don't know what my experience i guess was i was pretty distant from the whole thing from yeah. from my team um which is kind of what i did last year i you know i wrote it i kind of send it off and i once i hand it off i'm kind of like it's in you it's in your hands unless there's something that they really need to know from me um plus i had to work anyway so i wasn't really around that much but i did stop in and see how they were doing were you there more during the day i mean more than you um but last year i feel like i was uh i was just there and like with my group for pretty much the whole thing not the whole like i got there last year around like 11 and i said like do you have is there anything you didn't understand um is there anything you need help with or you know anything I can clear up for you, or any cuts you want me to make, or yeah. that you want to ask about. Uh, and I don't. It was. It was. Um, I I went again around eleven uh, this year to like for the same thing, and um, uh, I did. I, it ran a little over ten minutes, so we did work on some cuts, which uh, I'm glad that they. Uh, I mean, it, after you write it, it's theirs basically. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I am glad that they were like, we're thinking about cutting this. How do you feel about that? 
mm-hmm. and then I actually made some suggestions for things that I thought could be cut and then like there was there were there was one where it was like three sentences that I combined into like one short thing that meant the same thing just to help them speed it up uh, but that that whole thing was maybe 15 minutes of the day right <laughs> <laughs> like right when I got there and um, aside from uh, like I mean I walked around with Nate for he was on my team uh, and I worked with him on some lines and stuff and uh, talked about the character and um, but I felt more n- not part of it than I did last year I don't know yeah even for like the, the limited amount of input that I had last year I felt even less I, I felt even more distant this year I was basically like not there at all and um, I really wish that I was more. Was Aaron Dove the only person in your group that you knew? Yes, going she, was, in? she was the only one that I that I had met. Previously. Last year, you knew all of them. Um, I knew. I mean, I knew not the director. Most but... of them. Yeah, I didn't know the director. I mean, Carol, like I had met before. Right. But like, I didn't really like know her. You know, I didn't know that she was a singer. I didn't know those kinds of things. But um, yeah, everybody else I was pretty familiar with. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but, I knew all of mine last year, but this year, I just I knew Nate and Regina, mm-hmm. but I didn't know the other two actors or the director. Yeah, I'm wondering if that had something to do with it, maybe because it wasn't like, oh, those are my friends up there acting. Uh, or... Not really, because I mean, I because I, I I wanted to just like I I was more self conscious about like I just I don't want to be that guy who's like sitting on set all day kind of looming yeah. over the director's shoulder like you should yeah. do this you should do that because that's not like the writer's job to do that right but at the same time it is the writer's job to kind of be there to help things along and i feel like i should have given more help if i was to do Playfest next year i almost want to just make sure i have that day off of work mm-hmm. so that i can be there more so through through the day because watching i didn't see them rehearse it before they performed it yeah and i felt pretty confident because they felt pretty confident every time i talked to them through the day they were like oh yeah you know we we got this like everyone we all know our lines and like it feels really good and stuff and so i was like okay yeah like it doesn't seem like you really need my my help and i wanted to like you know put my trust in them but watching the play, like, I think they did a good job. Mm. It's really hard to, like, separate yourself from it. Yeah. Because the entire time watching it, like, it's very surreal experience because you know what you were picturing in your head while you wrote it. And you hope that they get it somewhat close to that. And the fact of the matter is, like, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad or what. Like, it's always going to be different than what you envisioned because they work with it all day and they realize things about it and they try to work the best that they can with it and so there are you know little little changes here and there and it also comes down to like you know it's theater whatever happens while they're doing it then then and there like that's what it's going to be yeah like as great as the um well i thought it was great i really liked the sirens uh play um, but there was the moment where the uh, one of the uh, sirens or mermaids kind of like 
we yeah we her, revealed her legs her flipper yeah. kind of opens and uh you see she has legs and yeah. the actress didn't kind of catch it for a while so um but i mean it's i mean yeah, whatever that, it's, and that's, it's live it, theater that yeah, happens but that's the kind of thing like as the writer you're just like oh you know why can't and especially yeah. coming from more of a film background where you're in control of what the yeah. audience is seeing and you meticulously pour over every you know every moment of of the experience and try to make it as close to your vision as possible when you just hand it off to someone it's like i don't know it's funny how they're saying the same words and like they're doing basically what you imagined it to be but it's totally different <laughs> and um i will i mean i will say like my group was awesome i i, I really enjoyed yeah. working with them they did a great job but i do wish that i was kind of there to help push things a little bit in in more of a in more of a direction um the, i mean the other thing is like I, my biggest issue with with the play is mostly my job as the writer i think i didn't really i didn't really get the ending quite right and that was the one while i was writing it i was stressing over like the last page or so right did, up right did, up until the end did you write that he he takes the he gets the sandwich back right? yeah or the part yeah. that was in the what part do you think wasn't uh i think it comes down to like a, a like one sort of line where i was basically there's sort of like the straight man in the in the dynamic there's the woman who's just trying to read her book right she was supposed to be like the main character essentially really yeah she was the not at all right okay and that was my fault i was trying to like make her more of like the focus but it's hard to do that i realized when she doesn't have any lines and you're giving all basically all of the lines to other people and one person especially who's sort of like who sort of became the main character i guess in a weird way there there was no real main character that's the thing but the guy eating the sandwich and the girl playing the saxophone were sort of like the male and female leads, sort of, I would say. They're the ones that we give a shit about. Yeah, that's the, what's yeah, that's what's weird is like I, I didn't really I didn't I didn't nail that dynamic, I guess. What I love about this is Colin, you might remember this play, but anybody else listening to this who wasn't at Playfest <laughs> is like no fucking clue what we're saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um They might be on D V D at some point. Yeah, um, maybe. I think they were last year, so you know, seek it out, and you can find out what we're talking about. Um. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I mean, like, I I wish that I had kind of. Uh... And it's it's it, it's kind of similar to my last year's play, in which I have four characters, two sort of overbearing personalities, and I would say like the main character of the first of my play last year um is is the girl casey's character <laughs> okay i um, see i see what you mean in a sense in a sense but it's like it's hard to kind of say who the main character is of that play even you know it's more like because it 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 as i was writing it became more about like the two mothers and their personalities and they're kind of going back and forth and their children are sort of just caught in the middle 
Mm. But and like that, I think last year's play worked a lot better um, because Casey, uh, her character had like a good sort of her and and Nate had like a good sort of arc that they went through where they, they reached that point of like, you know what? Like you guys just, we can't do this anymore with you two. We have to leave. Um, and I think it was, it was written well. And I was trying to like, kind of write a similar moment like that with the woman reading the book where like she reaches like basically her breaking point. Cause yeah. I had sort of imagined it as being like all this stuff is happening around her where it's like, you know, she comes and she like gets squished in between this person talking your ear off and this guy eating this like super sloppy sandwich and it's like stinky and like, you know, and then there's somebody just like playing the saxophone the whole time. That's just like, it's just cluttered, you know, everything's cluttered and like yeah. everything's just like closing in on her and she's just like, you know, I can't deal with this, but that's not really what the, how the play turned out. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, so it was somewhat disappointing for me, but not necessarily because of what my team produced. I think they did a good job with with the script that I gave them. I just think that like my my script could have been stronger. I had a similar issue with mine in um, the character that Regina played. Um, she, the way it was set up, she didn't really. It wouldn't have made sense for her to have like too many more lines, right? But I feel like it's just seemed odd to like participate in this thing where like they're talking about her and she's sitting there silent and it's like, we're like literally objectifying her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it also, um, I think if I had been directing it and I, I loved my director, she's another one I'd never met or heard of before or anything, but I, I lucked out again, two years in a row. I got really lucky with my group. Um, she had a lot of theater experience and, um, the two actresses playing like the ex-girlfriends, uh, who I'd never met before. They, um, they both had a lot of acting experience. Um, so I knew that like, I can just have them do anything and they'll be able to do it. And mm-hmm. they did. Yeah. I, they were great. But I would have changed, I would have talked to Regina about like the, her character's motivations Cause she and I should have like kept this in mind because I I knew I know Regina very well right and I I knew that she was the character and she played it like Regina would play it mm-hmm. like there was a part where uh, like towards the end she says um, well I in my head when I wrote it it was like you're gonna make me watch it by myself and then Regina says it you're gonna make me watch it by myself yeah I and totally, it was I totally. Yeah, because like yeah. I in my head it was like, well, she really likes him. She's not gonna like. Yeah. And she wants it to work out. She's not gonna like give him attitude. And also uh, early on, they changed a line. And I'm not sure if they changed it or if she just, in her memorization of it, changed it and then it just stayed that way, which happens a lot. Um, it was supposed to be, um, you've been trying to get me to watch these movies for a long time, and I'm finally doing it. Mm-hmm. And but what she said was, "You've been trying to get me up here for a long time, and I'm here," which oh, right, makes yeah. it kind of change the whole tone. <laughs> like it's a big, to, you know. I don't know if Matt Hauk told you this or not. Did he tell you where he thought the play was going? 
No, I don't think he... Oh, no, okay. No, he didn't. Because he had an interesting theory while it was going on. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he thought that Nate was actually a serial killer and that the two people in his head were like his past victims and that he was waiting for the moment at the end when he, he was going to be like, Regina realizes that there's like, you know, a dead body in the other room or something. And then Nate is like, you know pulls out the knife on her <laughs> it's like <laughs> and the the and the two you know the phantom oh the ghosts God. that are haunting him are like you know she will join us you know what <laughs> did any what did what was people's reaction when he said that or was he just talking to you he was just talking to me because now that you say that i can't think of anything i'd have to change in the script to make that the way it is yeah right oh my god i, I never even thought of I that i realized when he said it i was like that's actually pretty brilliant that's amazing know? yeah <laughs> Because huh. then, like, through the whole time, like, it just seems innocent. And, it, you, yeah, you wouldn't have to change anything. Yeah. And it's like, it just, you have this, you know, you get the Shyamalan twist in there. And he's, like, talking to the ghosts of his past victims. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, maybe I should see a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I thought your play was really good. I, I liked it a lot. How did you feel that, like... Because there was sort of there was an interesting theme throughout some of the plays, similarities between some of the plays. Yeah, mine fell into that group of ones where it was like a main character with like voices in their head. Or... Yeah, because uh, Jenny's play had that. AJ. AJ's started like that. I don't know if there was another one. But they bookended it, and I was in the middle, <laughs> so it yeah. was like. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I don't, and it's um, the theme was time, which is such a broad thing. You could do anything, but we went in similar directions, I guess. Although I don't, I mean, theirs were both about writing the play, and and they were, and I feel like their time. I mean, AJ's uh, use of time was more about like you know timing the actual play that's yeah, happening. Yeah, because you would say like a ten minutes, minutes, to do yeah, ten minutes, to like do it, ten minutes, the end of the world, or and it was also like you know looking back to last year's Playfest as well. Yeah. Um, and Jenny's, I think, was kind of like that too, where it's like it's like one year later kind of thing. Yeah, because they both referenced... She referenced the the puppets. Yeah. Which I liked that she did that. No, uh, I mean, it makes, you, you it could, makes sense. You could yeah. cho- choose to completely ignore the debacle, <laughs> but she em- embraced it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that was... The whole puppet thing was something that she was somewhat pressured to do by the director she got stuck with last year was it really like he wanted her he to wanted to thing? build a set involving puppets really yeah and he, that's what he did he spent the whole day building that set oh he didn't gosh. do anything with his actors they were all pretty much left with their own devices to try and like learn it and get together and perform it yeah that's that... why one of the actresses quit like in the afternoon and they had to get somebody else in there like at the last minute who had to be on script my god i mean that's just like that's the worst case scenario yeah that whole situation um yeah i mean i'm, I'm i was really happy uh that jenny she won third place which is you know it's great yeah to come back like that it's and a bit of a vindication of, yeah sort of prove her, her herself um i was also really happy for nate who won best actor with more votes than anybody else in any other category. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, when you think back to all the plays and like, and all the actors and the, like the performances in each one, 
he he stands out ab- above the rest, partly because his performance was great and he did it. He like he just you know nailed it, but also because like it was one of the strongest characters too, and I think that's that's totally because of what you wrote. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that. Like I mean, think about like you know what other characters were really like you know standout sort of characters. Or, I mean, like, main characters, you know? Like, none of them had really strong main characters. Except the ones, I mean, like... In Which Jenny, ones in, had main characters? In Jenny's play, the there, yeah. the, there were the two writers in the in the writer in the writing plays. There's the app one. There's the, uh... The old lady looking back. The worst date ever. Which, that got a lot, right? Kara got something for that yeah she won um, she won best actress she was first place yeah i think she was first place okay and and, uh, and the writer um writer got second place yeah and uh director got i think the director place oh yeah i'm i i wasn't sure how i felt about the direction of it um it might have just been in the performance of it uh the pacing seemed off yeah no um, yeah, definitely there were like i loved how parts of it went together the whole thing with the bird bath that was that that worked out. Yeah. yeah, that worked. I'm glad that I I watched that one when when they were doing uh, the Q to Q in the afternoon and the part where uh, she talks about how she was a few minutes late and like the act the younger actress like walks out then backs up then comes back in. When I was watching the Q to Q, I was like, oh, she messed up her Q. Right, or right, <laughs> like, right. And I feel like if I hadn't seen it then and like gotten it then, no, I, I probably would have thought that. In the I, actual... did, I didn't. I didn't pick that up when I was watching it. Yeah. I was kind of confused about what was going on. I think yeah. until later when I realized more, like that they were going for this, like uh, you know, they they changed this, you know, swapping the meals back and forth. Oh no, I had the steak. I had the chicken. Mm. That thing, which is a good. It's a good idea. It's a good concept. Yeah. But it's. It, you really have to kind of nail that hmm. to get that across to the audience. But the, the like the app one, who directed the app one? I don't know. I don't want to say anything about it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I, <laughs> I went. We went to Wallabies after the show, and um, I got pretty drunk. I was, and you know, like, you know how people say, like, oh, I really need a drink right now. I've never really felt that. But that night I was like, <laughs> let's go get a drink. And as soon as I sipped, took a sip on it, I was like, this is the best thing ever. That was the best <laughs> I've ever felt like <laughs> drinking. And I, that was the first moment that I realized like, this is the feeling that people get when they become like an alcoholic. <laughs> like this is what they're chasing, you know? because it it relieves all your stress it makes you more relaxed and i had been like so stressed out like that like the whole week leading up to this thing yeah not just about play fest play fest but about so many different things it's the first time i really needed a drink and it felt so good to be drunk that night but yeah i was kind of talking quite candidly about (laughs) a lot of the plays and my you know personal opinions about them but i think you know overall they were they were pretty good yeah Last year there were a handful of plays that were I I was just like what happened to yeah, that play yeah. what is that nonsense and this year there's I didn't love all of them no I didn't think any of them were terrible there was one that I thought was like 
every single one had either they didn't always have all they right, either right, had right. good direction a good, good script, script or, or good, good performances yeah. like the one i can't in, think of any that didn't have any of those like because there's one there's at least one that was like had a really bad script i don't know who wrote it I yeah don't i don't i don't know too either. much about it but the act the performances in it were rob, at least good rob Ryder. rob Ryder, yeah. <laughs> one thing that bugged me about um the, like Sarah and Janine's. Um, I like how you keep your voice down to make sure no one's hearing. And we're recording it into a microphone. <laughs> Sarah and Janine's play. Um, they were. I the guy in the wheelchair didn't have much to do, so I don't really know his level. Right. But he did what he had to do well. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I, I'm, I'll assume he's a good actor. But the other three, I thought were great. Yeah, and, and I saw like, Janine last year, so I know she can do well. Oh, yeah. And I saw her, we auditioned for Harvey together uh, last spring, and like I know what she can do, which is amazing, because she never like, acted until last uh, Don't you fest. wish you were writing for that group? Yes. So this afternoon, I was at the studio. Uh, unfortunately, I was running behind, so I only had about 15 minutes. And I was like, all right, I have the theme time, and I have those four actors, and I started writing. Oh, yeah? I got a page, because I only had 15 minutes. But I'm going to finish it, and I'm going to show it to Janine. And be like, this is what I uh, yes. could have, this is what could have been. Yes, Janine is, uh, she's uh, sick and, well, you know what, we don't have time for this. I've got, but it's all in my head. Mm. I just have to write it down. Yeah, I mean, like, that That was, like, a lot of wasted potential there, for sure. Yeah. But that's the look of the draw. That's the play fest. That's I like, the game. I liked how <laughs> uh, Alicia's group. Were you there when they, uh, let's see, Ryan, Luke, and Alicia all said to me at one point, like, that when they, like, when Alicia got the group and she was like, oh, I've got, like, three young girls, the oldest of whom is 18. Oh, yeah. And she, she was like, oh, I wonder what would happen if Tim had gotten <laughs> Yeah. And, and Luke, I think, later was like, <laughs> Alicia told me that. And the first thing I thought was, like, I hope Tim's not writing that play. <laughs> And I'm wondering if, like, that's because last year... Because of what happened very... last year. Okay, yeah. that's why... That's pro- I'm guessing that's probably why. All yeah. right, good. Because last year you were given a group of all girls, and it turned into this kind of, like, you know... Raunchathon. Somewhat. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Not really. Maybe that's why I was so much more excited last year about my play. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were excited in more ways than one. But also, last year when it was over, I got really up... And when you get really up, you come crashing down. So by the time that I was across the street at Wallabies, by the time I got to Wallabies and I sat down, um, I was just so like, oh, it's over. Mm. And then like over the course of the night, we were last year we were well, I don't know what time you were at Wallabies till this year, but last year we were. I was there, there until like three thirty. Yeah. Wait, this year? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, <gasps> that know. goes against Glens Falls law. I know. Um, bullshit anti-small business law anyway um but like last year it was like this whole thing we were there like 3 30 4 a.m or whatever and then like i i filled my car up with beautiful women and drove them home <laughs> and um <laughs> which is always a good end to an evening yeah um but this year it was just like it i started i was up and then I started to go down as soon as my play ended. I didn't even make it to the end of all the plays. And then, like, yeah. I enjoyed the part. 
where we were still at the wood afterwards, like leading up to like the uh, announcing the winners and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was happy with like the winners for the most part, and like that was all good. And then, but I the whole time I was at Wallabies, I was just kind of like, what is this year? What's going on? No, there, I don't know. Last year there definitely was like a like, palatable high. Yes, there was yes. a high that everyone was feeling. This year, I think because we had done it before it but there were a lot of new people there were a lot of there were a lot of new people but yeah even those people weren't as like you know excited about it i just remember like there were so many great moments last year of like you know janine finding out that she won best actress and everyone in the bar is like yeah yeah and that was amazing and you know it was just like there was there was that like a really strong feeling of. I wonder if it's because we, they we all did just did this thing, you know. I, w- I wonder if I mean there, I'm sure there are a lot of factors. I feel like one small factor might have been that like when we were at Wallabies last year, we were like wondering like, oh, I wonder how the voting is going. Yeah, and yeah, definitely. And were, but this year, like they did it like half an hour, which was cool. And but... it makes sense to do it that way because then everybody knows like you have the opportunity to like. In front of all of the peers who worked on it, like, sort yeah. of acknowledge, like, this is who, you know, yeah. we're giving it to. And, and um, but, I don't know. And this year, there it was more uh, segregated to an extent. I mean, last year, they had people, like, they had a group at Uncorked, and I think maybe there had been a group at Rock Hill. I'm not sure. But, like, for the most part everybody was rehearsing at the wood all day right and this year they said like oh well you know everybody was kind of like stepping on each other's toes so we're kind of like giving everybody their space but at the same time it's like that was great about we were all together right work and like we it's a competition in quotes it's not Mm -hmm. a real competition we're all we can all help each other we can all just like work on each other's things (sighs) yeah yeah definitely I mean, I I definitely was, did not even get close to the high I had last year after finishing the play. Yeah. It was almost quite the opposite reaction, um, partly because I was more more just disappointed in myself because I feel like I, I repeated what I did last year too much just in the content of my play. It was too much in line with, I was just trying too hard to capture that again, and it doesn't make any sense to try to do that. But anyway, you know, I mean, I definitely, you know, would be interested in doing it again next year. It's It was fun. I want to do it again. I don't... It's, it always, it's always fun. Like, I, I still, like, after last year's, I was like, let's do this every fucking week! <laughs> or, like, four times a year or well, something. I mean, you're already but writing now... another play. <laughs> you're ready to go again. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like, well, nobody's going to be able to put it on. Not that day. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'll tell you, the best, really the best thing about it for me regardless of like how the play really turns out is like it is it is a great writing exercise that's for sure because when you're writing anything there is this instinct that when you reach a line or like you know a part of a scene that like you're having trouble with and you're trying to like make it work and you're like "Ah, i don't really know how to like make this happen there's this instinct this driving instinct that just makes you want to like stop and just walk away from it and like close your laptop and just close out and be like i'll deal with it tomorrow or i'll deal with it later but when you're doing this it's like do you have no time to do that like you have you're forced to like just stay in that 
mode and you're forced to just push through every scene every hard scene that you're having trouble with and it's like you have to make it work and uh yeah there's a there's definitely a there's a, there is a good feeling that comes with like you know when you finish writing the play and you send it off and you're like oh wow i just did that and holy shit how fast does time move for you when you're writing like i i would like you look at the clock and it's like okay you know it's 10 o'clock right now and then it feels like five minutes goes by and you look and it's like it's 10 40 already and you're like good god man <laughs> like it like the clock's arms are just like double speed man it's crazy i went really quick this year like with my like i was by so i got to the studio by nine i think and then um I, were, I tried to figure some stuff out while I was like walking there and while I was in there and I got I got I wrote four pages and then I walked to Wallabies because I needed like a little break I needed to just like gather my thoughts and it wasn't midnight yet and I had four pages yeah that's that's awesome <laughs> and I I went there and I got a Shirley Temple and I um I let I mentioned like last year. Yeah, you basically did the same thing. Yeah, and it was, like Regina was and there, Regina, who oddly yeah. enough ended up my group. This <laughs> yeah, year. right. And actually, this year Regina wasn't there because she had to get up at seven a.m. the next morning. Um, so John Crouch was there. Who maybe he will be in your group? Yeah, next year. he said Saturday night when I was talking to him that he was thinking about acting next year. <laughs> um. <laughs> But we we had he's somebody I like talking to John Crouch, but I don't really know him, so I don't talk to him that much. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I happen to be standing next to him when we have really interesting conversations about things that I don't usually care about. Right. Which we did Friday night, um, mostly focusing on health, fitness, and Henry Rollins. That 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 is. And it was inter- and nothing that had anything to do with my play. And it was nice to, I thought... To just separate yourself yeah, from it. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about any of that stuff. I was thinking about what he was talking about. And then I was like, well, I should get back to work. And so, you know, say goodnight to him and I left. And then as I walked back to the studio, I started thinking about my play again and the four pages I'd written and the characters. And by the time I got back, I knew what was going to happen. I just mm. had to write it down. Yeah. So I was done by 2 a.m. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and what's yeah what's funny is like last year i had my first draft done around 2 a.m mm. i like reached and i typed you know the end before i look went back and looked through one of the nice things about last year was like i swapped my script with chris around that time right and i so i basically like had the same experience where it's like you cut yourself off from that mindset and you get into something else and like i you know i read chris's script and i thought about how what how could you improve this or like you know gave him some some pointers about it by the time i was done doing that and was in that mindset like he had some ideas for me so i was able to kind of like look at my script again with a more fresh perspective um and this year i didn't i didn't separate myself from it really at all i was basically because i was trying i was forcing myself to try to figure out how to make the ending work better and uh yeah, I wish that I had, um, I don't know, 
distanced myself a little bit from it and gone back to it and maybe tried to work it different, thought about it in a different way. Instead of just committing to it a little too soon, maybe. But, I mean, it's hard. You try to, you know, you try to juggle a lot of things. Um, and you're like, I don't know if I have enough time to really, like, throw away a scene and totally redo it or, you know, whatever. But. But it, I mean, it might not have done what you wanted it to do, but it did what it did well. And I, I really liked yours. Yeah, that's good. And I mean, like, like what we were talking about, um, I mean, I, I feel good that, um, Aaron Dove was in my group and she won third place in the, in the actress category. And I was happy to see that cause she did, a, she did do a good job and, um, you know, and it, it, like, that's part of the writer's job is to give your actors good parts, like in good, like memorable characters that people will like you know and give them something juicy to to work with um and i did get like all the compliments that i did get about my play were about how they liked the actors in them like they liked the girl playing the saxophone and they liked the guy eating the sandwich and they liked aaron dove so like that was a success to me like i feel like i did write good characters for them but i think i didn't really pull the story together it's always interesting how, like, I feel like 90% of stories where they try to have, like, this one character as a protagonist, it is usually the least memorable character. Yeah. Because they're supposed to be kind of like an everyman type thing. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> you, you want to, like, <laughs> you want to give everyone in your group something something good, you know? Yeah. You want to give them at least one thing that they can, like, you know, have fun with. Because if you're doing this and you're like, oh, you're excited, like, oh, yeah, I want to, like, you know, do this play thing. And then you get the play and you're like, oh, I have this part that has, like, one line. And I'm like, and I only show up for the last, like, two minutes of the play. That's not very fun. <laughs> you know, you want to, like, so you, there's a lot to juggle that you're trying to deal with. But um, but overall, it was a lot of fun. Next year probably do it again so yeah they should have done time next year because 2015 back to the future part two uh, yeah. <laughs> oh well <clears throat> all right so we are going to go watch a movie right now um i have no idea what movie we're about to watch you the listener actually do because it's the name of the episode and it's the the picture on the the artwork for it i don't know what it is but um yeah we're gonna go watch it right now and we'll be back to talk about it because this is talking movies all right so we just watched the mystery movie of the week the woman as chosen by tim gagne i you know when you first brought up the the concept of of what this month is all about. I didn't know exactly if it would really change much of the experience, really. Of, like, you know, we watch a movie and then we talk about it. But after going through it this one time, like, I, I understand how this could be... It's an interesting experience. 
I guess to reiterate what exactly we're doing this month, um, each week one of us will choose a film and we'll sit down to watch it together. But the person who didn't choose the film doesn't know what the movie's going to be. So Tim had the DVD all queued up. I didn't see the case. I didn't see the menu or anything. He just pushed play and it started. And uh, <laughs> I think it that kind of experience works really really well for a movie like this where i didn't i didn't know what this movie was at all i never heard of it Hmm. usually when i go into a movie you know at least some of the basic information at least the genre the genre (laughs) what year it was released in who directed it maybe some of the people who are in it uh, some kind of inkling about what it might be about but in this case it was just like you had to figure that out as it was going along i think all movies should be viewed this way (laughs) it's the most pure viewing experience i think because so much of our final judgment of a movie comes from our preconceived notions of what it is and whether or not they live up to our expectations how often just on this podcast do we say like oh it wasn't as good as I thought it would be, or everybody said it would be worse, but I liked it. And like, mm-hmm. it's like, you're not talking about the movie anymore. You're thinking of like, well, my mind was set up to you're do thinking this of your and person- it confused me. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're putting your personal experience into it. This is just like, it was what it was. And in that way, I could appreciate it for what it was actually doing, not what I wanted it to do. And what was it? What was it doing? It was disturbing me. Yes. <laughs> it was, it's a very disturbing film. It's extreme. It was one of the... I, I watched it uh, last year, around this time last year. It might, this might be like almost exactly a year since I watched it. And um, I just had to like sit for a while and just think about it. Because I was like, it, it's... It's ooky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame that like we're even talking about it and telling people about the movie. Because it was, I mean, it was such a great experience just like going in cold. Part of, just like the, the nature of the movie also, like, I didn't recognize like any of the actors or actresses. Mm. Um, I think the mother, I she looked familiar. Angela Bettis. Angela Bettis, um, right. And I I know I've seen her. In I've mentioned her. I feel like I've mentioned her several times in the podcast. She comes up often. She's the one who played Carrie in the first remake, the one that was made for TV. And she was in May. She was in Girl Interrupted. I feel like those are like her big ones. Uh, mm. She's been in everything that Lucky McKee, the director, has done, I believe. Yeah, there must be something that I know her from. But even like, you know, just like, I wish every movie didn't have the the baggage that actors bring to it hmm. sometimes you can use it to benefit the film where you like change the preconceived notions of what kind of role that actor usually plays like you know henry fonda in once upon a time in the west yeah but really like you know you shouldn't see the actor you should see the character and it's funny come watching having this experience coming right out of the Oscars where so much of what those films are is like 
judging the performances of the of the real people and talking about it in terms of the the physical transformation type yeah stuff, yeah like... that and like you know oh this is the best i've ever seen leonardo dicaprio or this is the best that matthew mcconaughey has been and he's changing yeah. his you know you put the films into a greater context like that instead of just like taking it for what it is just as a film and as a character when you don't when when most of the actors are you're not familiar with them you don't recognize them it's easier to just let the movie be exactly what it is and not being like oh i was disappointed with this person's performance because usually they're better or usually they play things like this you know none of that comes into play like i like i said i mean it's uh it's a disturbing movie um and not just like not disturbing in in that like oh there are really like graphic images or which there are there are but that's not that's not what's right. disturbing about it it's the unraveling of like the layers of secrets yeah. and like you what's know what's going on in that house and that family yeah and you, and you know that there's something something is wrong here you just don't know what it is yet right from like the very first scene where they're at the barbecue pool party Mm. well even like before that you know we have this intro of of the feral woman um what like and that was you didn't know what the movie was and we opened with that scene in the woods (laughs) like what did did you think it was going to be like a like that was going to be the whole movie yeah i was like is this going to be there's no dialogue it's just a woman in the woods with wolves and yeah that would be interesting um yeah i was kind of wondering you know how you know how long is this gonna go on for <laughs> like tim what have you gotten us into this time so which that is in a, a you know it's a very dark kind of scene very dreamlike and very like you know a lot of overlapping dissolves and... yeah and very uneasy soundtrack going on you know we're hearing like a the whimpering of a wolf being killed and like it's it's very uh you know so you're uneasy right from the beginning but then we go to this bright you know sunny pool party and even there like you just know that like there's something wrong with these people who are there Hmm. just the way that you know the, the the sun passively sits by as this girl is being tormented um and picked on by bullies and he just watches without any kind of real emotion or interest at all just goes back to practicing shooting hoops yeah and then as you know as we explore the family more you know there's like the barn with the dogs and we're we keep hearing these dogs barking and uh it sounds like something awful is going on in there yeah and uh i like how it takes us a while to like see what's actually in the barn right and when we finally see it it's like oh it doesn't look that bad you know i mean it's it's weird that like they keep the dogs just like locked up Mm. in the barn all the time it's like well if you're gonna have a dog like you know why keep it locked up like that but it's like all right well they've got like a lot of room you know and they don't look like they're malnourished or anything like that or you know they don't look too bad but you know something's just off there (laughs) and there's like it's like hmm, why does that one dog get pov shots 
but we don't see that one dog. Yeah. It's, yeah. And what what is the word that he start, it's he starts dropping a word into the conversation late in the movie at Anathemalia something having to do with blindness whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, I don't like, know what that I didn't catch what what that word it, was. It's repeated several yeah. times and like you're like what, what is, is he say? saying? Yeah, What's going on? And like he lost his ability to control his speech. <laughs> The father started taking lemon quaaludes towards the end of the film. (laughs) And then we meet Socket. Um, Comes crawling out to eat the teacher. Socket? Was that her name? That's how she's credited. I'm not sure if they ever actually say Socket. Okay. And it's... You don't entirely get... you don't entirely get the story of anything. You, which is like it's so like they it reveals so much about like the creepiness of this family, and then in addition to that, there's other unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. Like he says to the mother, like she's your shame, or well, he doesn't say she because we still haven't seen that there's like a girl in the right. with the dogs yet. But it's like that's your shame mm-hmm. when he's referring to like out with the dogs. You mentioned the um. Like the unsettling sounds in the early scene. What did you think of like the whole like soundscape of the film in general? I have mixed feelings about some of the music. Mm -hmm. Some of it seems a little like uh, kind of like ironic type thing. Like, oh, we'll place this music here to go. But there are scenes where like the way that the sound effects are edited together, where it's like cuts between like really loud, jarring noises and Mm -hmm. silence. Like, I really like that that was very effective for me mm-hmm. yeah i i liked the sound design of it but the music is pretty like non-stop throughout mm. um these like songs in almost every scene there's like a, a song and sometimes when they're they go into like montage it, it almost feels like it's a really long music video mm-hmm and like sometimes I think it it was cool, and it had like a good kind of vibe, like um, like the scene where the where Peg or Peggy is Peg. like at the at gym class outdoors, yeah, and she starts to and like, she starts to fall over, and she's listening in her headphones, like that was really you know, I, I really like that scene, um, but after a while, I mean when you you start getting and it's all and looking at the credits all those songs seemed like they were they were done by one person and it starts to feel a little repetitive Hmm. and also i mean but at the same time i'm kind of thankful for some of the songs especially in some of the more disturbing scenes because it made it feel like you had like a lifeline or something like things aren't getting too dark here because there's this kind of like poppy 90s sounding song playing (laughs) um and it almost made it like less disturbing like if you had played some of those scenes you know cold like no song no music it would have been like you know really really dark but that's like kind of what the whole movie is doing contrasting this like regular picturesque american family with uh the most horrible horrible evil and that's what the father really is i mean he is like everything that true evil 
is. And it just seems like it, he's one in a line, though. Like, he got that from his dad, and he's giving it to his son. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a very, it's a feminist film, I would say. I mean, at the end of the film, it's like they've started this new family. They've gotten, it, it's, like, not to say, like, feminist equals anti-male. Mm-hmm. It's like an extreme feminism um because they've like gotten rid of the men and the women are going off and although they she did kill the mother because the mother stood by and let it all happen the whole time yeah and she finally did stand up for herself but it was too late by that point everything had already fallen apart yeah watching it again i mean i i was um struck by it the first time too but like I just love Angela Bettis. <laughs> she just is like an amazing actress. And just like that scene, one of the, in a, in a, in a film full of disturbing moments, one of the most disturbing because it's not outlandish or fantastic is when he's just brought, the husband is brushing his teeth yeah. and she just like, just slightly starts to speak out against him and he just like without stopping without skipping a beat just smacks her in the face and she's just yeah not even like a heavy slap or like a hard slap but like a uh just enough to you know shock her and shock us as well because it comes out of nowhere she's like you know i forget what the exact line is she says maybe like two words and he just slaps her and and then is inst- it's instantly forgotten, and he just goes on. And the shot holds so long, it's on mm-hmm. her face as he goes to bed in the background. And... Yeah, that kind of just casual power dominance, mm. and and I mean that's yeah that is, that was definitely one of the more disturbing scenes in the film. Even though <laughs> it, you know we have these other. There's cannibalism and like captivity and like, you know, but it's like that you feel like that's something we know is going on behind so many closed doors. The slapping around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that kind of relationship that that husbands have with their wives. Yeah. Like maybe there's not a lot of cannibalism going on. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Well, we'll, we'll, I don't know. But I mean, that, that's the thing that also is equally disturbing about the movie is that every once in a while, every few years, you hear a story about a child being discovered by the police who has been abused in a similar way that the sister in the in the dog pen has been yeah. abused in, in this film. People locking their children in, in a room or in a crib for years, treating them like an animal basically that stuff really does happen and it's it's horrible to think about and it's hard to imagine how somebody can do that to somebody else you really have to have no empathy to be able to do that to somebody yeah you have to be completely emotionally detached from other people and how terrifying is the the boy? Just the complete sociopath with no, like... 
Such a blank face. Mm-hmm. Like, I was impressed with that performance this time through. Yeah, he shows nothing. But, I mean, it comes from his, his dad, who, I mean, you know, obviously his son was his favorite of his children. Yeah. But even when it comes down to, you know, when when his son is killed, he doesn't seem to really care. There's no, you know, moment of, not my son, or no, or anything He's any just scrambling to save his own life. Yeah, because he, like, it's, he is completely devoid of any emotional attachment to anybody here. I picked such a kind of downer movie. I feel I feel bad somewhat. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> but I mean, like, there's a lot. Of, I feel like there's a lot of stuff like to talk about with this. But at the same time, it's like I feel like I ruined Max's day. <laughs> I mean, it's it must it it must be funny uh, listening to this episode all edited together. I'm glad that we recorded the first half before we saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a good call. Um, we're like, yeah, Oscars, Playfest, and then there's like an edit. There's there's an like, edit. It's like, the woman. So I just watched a really disturbing movie. <laughs> um, literally minutes ago. I'm still, you know, I'm still reeling from it. Yeah, for the most part, like I'm, I really like the uh, performances. There's like different levels of like film culture and it's like Angela Bettis and Lucky McKee like have worked together several times and their their names uh carry a certain weight with them like in certain uh circles and um there's certain actors who uh and they're these um they don't necessarily fall under this uh well to a degree but uh there, there's certain like filmmakers and actors who um they make sort of like I don't, I don't know exactly what to call them. I'll say like uh, horror convention movies, mm. if you will, where it's like the, you get all these people who are on that like convention circuit, right? And they make tons of movies that you never hear about, yeah. really. And um, some of them are great, and some of them are not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a there's a film called Wicked Lake which is uh, not good. Angelo Bettis actually has a cameo in it. And one of the actresses in that is in The Woman. And she is the weak link in the cast. It's the teacher. Mm. It's such an awkward performance. And it just seems like... I don't know. I get the impression that like they all met at some horror convention or something, and they They're were like, like let's "Oh, make a movie let's together. Yeah, yeah, like the." And I don't. It's. It reminds me of like well, you know. Just maybe just because Playfest is so fresh in my mind, like when you meet with all your actors and you kind of figure out like what they're comfortable doing, mm-hmm. and I feel like maybe if they'd like change some of the wording or something, like a lot of her lines don't sound natural coming out of her mouth. But they don't sound like bad lines. Mm-hmm. They just sound weird. Yeah, she just didn't. It's hard to like pin exactly what was weird about her performance because it's like there's nothing particularly wrong about it. It just does. There's nothing particularly right about it. 
It's like when you go to see a high school musical and you come out talking about who you thought the best actor in it was. That like that it's a different level than when you go to see like a film like a professionally made film and then you come out talking about the best act like right. she's at that level like it seemed like oh she's somebody who has done a lot of high school plays and now look now she's in movies mm-hmm. but um i don't know that she she bugged me yeah there's something just kind of off about her yeah and i mean like it in wicked lake it was it was less noticeable because I mean, it wasn't a very good movie anyway, and also, like the other female members of the cast, she was often naked, and that was great, mm. but the movie was not good. I don't know. Yeah. The, the, it's funny when, like, the child actor that you're often in the scenes with is not only upstaging you, but giving a really, really great performance. Um, the girl who played Peg or Peggy yeah. or whoever, she, she was awesome. Um, and she was an important character to be, to really get a really strong character out of, out of her, I guess. She has like a constant look of pain on her face. Yeah. <laughs> which, you know, as the more you watch the movie, you understand. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I mean, we as an audience have to really like latch onto her and want yeah. to root for her. And uh, I feel like I've seen her in something too, but I don't know if that makes any kind of I sense. I hadn't seen her in anything. Um, she is in um, a film that came out this past year called Jug Face, which also stars Sean Bridgers, who played her father in this. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I mean, he, he was damn creepy. Yeah, he was on Deadwood. Oh, okay. Which um, I've never seen Deadwood. I had to watch a couple episodes of it for um, a Western class I took, but I never really like got into it or went out of my way to watch it. It seemed great, but I just... The two episodes I watched were like from very different places in the series, so I didn't even really... I couldn't really get into it. Oh, I feel like this is... Uh, I should probably bring up something that I didn't know the first time I watched it. And I'm assuming you don't know right now. Technically, this film is a sequel to really? another film. There's a film called Offspring, which is about a group of uh, feral woman, feral women living out in the woods. And Polly McIntosh, who plays the woman in this, was one of those women. Wow. So it's... Was that directed by Lucky McKee, I'm guessing? No, but it was written by Jack Ketchum who wrote this and oh, okay. uh he's probably most well known for the girl next door um which i have yet to read um i have that book it's supposed to be one of the most disturbing books ever it, he seems to be a disturbing author <laughs> um it's based it's loosely based on a true story um about a woman who kept a young girl locked up in the cellar mm-hmm. and lo- like local like children would come over and like hang out at her house and go downstairs and like be cruel to this girl. Hmm. Yeah. That was made into a movie a couple of years ago. Um, I don't want to watch it until I read the book. And even then I'm not sure if I want to watch it. I don't, I don't know. 
Like, I, I like disturbing movies, but there's disturbing and then there's disturbing. Yeah, like, when are you ever really in the mood for a disturbing movie, you know? I mean, I enjoyed watching this film again. Yeah, I'm, and I, I enjoyed the movie, too. Yeah. I thought it was a very, a very good movie. And at some point in my life, I, I will probably watch Cannibal Holocaust again. That's a very disturbing. I've I've seen it three times I think now, and it's an upsetting film. I'd watch it again though. <laughs> You're ready to be upset again. <laughs> I I do. I mean, when I after the first time I watched it, I I have skipped through the really upsetting scenes in that, which are the uh, actual animals being killed and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I am in that mood tonight. Maybe when I get home, I'll watch "I Spit on Your Grave." I haven't seen that in a long time. I've never seen that actually. Actually, that and Cannibal Holocaust. When I was going to purchase, I actually screened them. I like upsetting people. So it is. I mean, I am curious about Offspring. I mean, there's the idea that there is like a group of women out there. Yeah, I mean, because that is one thing that you know. I mean, the movie's called The Woman. Yeah. And from the beginning of the movie it presents like that opening scene it presents a very intriguing look into what her existence is like and she has a baby and she has a baby yeah we see this baby in a cave and she's like living with wolves and uh yeah we don't know anything about her like you i mean i i expect to learn more about you know who she is or what was going on i guess but the really like she you know she was kind of the main character but then it sort of transitioned to peggy i guess maybe she's the woman (laughs) she has become a woman by the end of the film perhaps i'm not a girl (laughs) i guess i'll have to download that song (laughs) Um, <laughs> I've been looking for an excuse forever. Um, yeah, it's I don't, like when I found out about Offspring, it was like, oh, well, that sort of like literalizes it. Like, it actually is a feral woman that was wandering around, and it's not like when I watched it the first time, it was more like. Yes, that's who she is, but really it's just like she is a natural, free, independent woman, and this guy sees her, so he has to chain her. Mm. And it's more of like a like a metaphor type thing. I mean, it remains that way. In the same um, way that he probably did with his own wife. Yeah. And um, the way that he is, like, training his daughters mm-hmm. and... Um, because that's just like the how the patriarchy has to keep control just by chaining women and keeping them down like and so. all of his all of the people in his life are like projects basically mm-hmm. you know it's like oh this is a family project we're going to civilize this woman he's very casual he's like everybody meet me outside like i'm gonna like, i mean and that's what makes it so disturbing yeah like did i kept wanting to like look over but i didn't want to like distract you from anything because i'm sure you would have seen me just like i don't um did at what point did you decide okay this isn't a comedy 
because it, it it walks uh, like if I feel like if somebody's in just like the a weird mood, like for maybe the first half of the movie or at least the whole part where like the family's cleaning the basement and or the cellar and like they're like chaining her up and stuff like it could be like this weird like tongue in cheek like offbeat mm-hmm. comedy type thing like not quite like sort of spider baby ish. I mean, if you had if you cut out the opening with the feral woman yeah and just started in the barbecue yeah you would have a totally different mindset going in Mm. for sure yeah it has this kind of like sense of humor about it i guess that's that's dark within the context of everything else that's going on but if you there's there is another movie there where if you just didn't edit in any of the the stuff that's any of that horrible stuff that's hiding there you know and just focused on like the image of the family it could you know it could <laughs> there could be a comedy there i guess <laughs> that would be crazy if you took a movie like um i don't know like a family comedy yeah about like a family and it's like a pg rated movie it's like i don't know i don't have an example off the top of my head the steve martin version of father of the bride <laughs> okay, yeah. Father of the Bride. You've seen that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I used to right. watch it all the time when I was a kid. Me too. It's not really that great, but I did watch it all the time. Yeah. It's better than the Spencer Tracy one, in my and opinion. It's like, yeah. and you're always happy when Martin Short shows up. You're like, yeah. oh, that Martin Short. Um. Yeah, okay, so you take that movie. Right. If Father, Imagine if Father of the Bride Part 2 was actually, you know, we see what is really going on in the family. It's the same characters as in Father of the Bride, but we see, you know. No, have you seen Father of the Bride Part Two? Yes. <laughs> years, years ago. And I'm thinking of like the actual Part Two, but like adding this creepy layer where like he's the father of both of the children. <laughs> What's the? I... The 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 mother and the daughter get pregnant at the same time. Oh, in part two. right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be weird. And we see a scene where. Um, George and uh, I forget Diane Keaton's character um, where they conceive their child but we never see uh, I want to say Annie how many times have I seen these movies why why is that name so anyway um, we never see her conceive maybe that was George too oh wait now I can't watch those movies anymore (laughs) not that I was like dying to but they show up on TV sometimes and I want to see Frank Um. (laughs) that was Martin Short's character right yeah 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 or like meet the parents oh god and in that like I mean I guess part of the plot is like Ben Stiller suspects that something is going on with like there's some dark secret that Robert De Niro is hiding. And he's like a strict disciplinarian and Yeah. Oh, wait. A... Like what if you what if what if the twist in that movie was like, you know, it's all fun and games until, you know, have you seen the movie? Yeah. There's the reveal, I guess spoilers for <laughs> Meet the Parents. Um there's <laughs> And spoilers for Father of the Bride part 2. Sorry. If you haven't seen the first one, <laughs> come on now. You don't want to know that there's going to be two babies on the way. <laughs> Um, in Meet the Parents there's the moment when Ben Stiller finds out the secret that Robert De Niro is hiding which is that he is 
uh, what's he doing? He's got like a radio down in the basement or something, and he's like helping the police or the FBI. He works for the FBI or something like that. You know, I don't even remember. Or he's like an ex-CIA agent or something. Well, they, I think they knew he was an ex something, didn't they? But like he's working on, so he's like, yeah, he's supposed a, to be retired. He's supposed to be retired, but he's actually like doing something like on some top secret mission or something. It's been a long time and I wasn't a huge fan of the movie. But imagine if the twist was, you know, it's the same exact movie all the way up until the moment where Ben Stiller finds him in the basement. But instead of a radio, <laughs> he has, uh, you know, his daughter, his other daughter. That you never... That you never hear of before in a cage. <laughs> well, just, I mean, like, any sitcom, imagine that. Happened. Like, on Full House, the other Tanner daughter. Right, the other Olsen? The, the other Olsen twin? Like, Danny Tanner's like, okay... I've got my hands full with these three daughters. It's great that, you know, like, my brother-in-law and my best friend have moved in to help me out. But my fourth daughter, so much of a handful, we're just going to lock her. We're going to chain her up in the basement. But then in the later seasons, when um, they redo the basement and it becomes a studio and stuff, that's after that daughter died. So they it freed up the basement. Full House is a fucking disturbing <laughs> yeah, show man. all of a sudden. <sighs> Basically, everything is, everything. Yeah. is disturbing when you <laughs> add the subtext. The reason why um, The Honeymooners, uh, it pretty much only ever showed that one room in their apartment was because their children were locked up in the other rooms. <laughs> this kind of goes back to... Uh, what I was talking about, Matt Houck's interpretation of your play. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of all these shows now. Just, uh, God. Especially things like the Donna Reed show or Father Knows Best, which are so have that sort of like sanitized like family mm-hmm. aspect to it, where which is what the family in the woman is like striving for. And it, they've become deluded that like in order to achieve that if that's even something you want to achieve like we need to like just do all these horrible things to like cover our tracks with everything like I was just thinking of family matters and now we never really see Steve Urkel's parents well no but the thing about family matters is after a couple of seasons, they do lose a daughter, but they never talk about her again, because there was a there was some sort of con- contractual dispute with the actress who played the the younger daughter. Mm-hmm. So like after a couple of seasons, she was just like she was fired, but they never wrote her out of the show. They just stopped having that character on. They never mentioned the character again. So it's she was just like up in her room. Well, that is really fucked up yeah so family matters already had that happy days they lost a son after the first season but they never mentioned him again he just at the end of or at some point in one episode uh ron howard's older brother well richie cunningham's older brother Mm -hmm. um says like oh see you later and like runs upstairs and And then you never see him again for the rest of the series wow 
and they locked him up, I guess. They, he's chained to a wall upstairs, and Mrs. Cunningham just has her way with him. I, I have no idea. It's a sick fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't happy days at all. <laughs> and the thing is, like, you don't know what's going on with your neighbors ever. Yeah, yeah. And I really feel like, like, no one knew because, I mean, all right, Fonzie lived above the garage. If he knew what was going on inside, he would have stopped it because he's the fucking Fonz. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So this thing that I'm reading into that show, yeah, no, Fonz would have taken care of it. <laughs> if he knew. If if he knew. <laughs> <laughs> um. Before we watched the movie tonight, uh, we were talking about stuff, and it was so hard for me not to give away what the movie was going to be, <laughs> because like you were t- you mentioned um, the Beach Boys album Sunflower, and so immediately in my mind I'm I, I'm going like got to know the woman, and oh, I was yeah. gonna <laughs> say something a lot, but I held it back. But now we know the woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know the woman. Um, based on this, would you watch another Lucky McKee movie? Yes. I recommend May. What's May about? Or should I not know? Maybe I'll go in cold again. Okay. He also, um, like, he wrote and directed May, and Angela Betta starred in it. And then a couple of years later, they did a movie called Roman, and... Lucky McKee wrote it and starred in it, and Angela Bettis directed it. They kind of like switched, hmm. and they're very the character of Roman and the character of May are very similar, but one's a girl and one's a guy, and it's like seeing similar characters go through similar things, but it's a different gender. It really like points up like how like weird it he he's I I would consider him a very feminist director. Especially like I, he he did a, he had a Masters of Horror episode, which was he was one of like the surprises I guess he was in the first season, and um, you know there were all these big names mm-hmm. uh, John Carpenter Argento uh, Toby Hooper Joe Dante, um, and um, he had done a student film that I think had been like shown at festivals or something but never really saw release which. This past year he remade, but I haven't seen it yet. Uh, all cheerleaders die. I think it's called. I Either think all I've che- actually heard of that. Okay, so he did May. And then. He made a film called The Woods, which at that point, like one, co- I forget which company it was, but a movie studio had bought another movie studio, and because of that, the movie The Woods just wasn't released for like a few years. Because it was like, oh, well, that's something the old regime made. Like, we're not going to, like, promote that or whatever. And it's like, you bought it. Why not just put it out? What the hell? It eventually was uh, put out. So he'd only really had one film mm. that had release. But uh, Roger Corman was supposed to direct an episode of Masters of Horror. Well, and he really? had to drop out. Mm. So they were like, Lucky McKee. <laughs> it's your lucky day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he did this thing called Sick Girl, starring Angela Bettis and Misty Monday. And it's really good. If you're into lesbians and um, entomology. (laughs) (laughs) Like peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) Together at last. But yeah, he he writes good 
female characters, with the exception of that teacher in The Woman, I guess. Who's also a lesbian. Do do you think the whole idea of the teacher going to the house, which is something that could happen, and I mean, just recently um, a case was settled where, like, a student was able to sue a, uh, a gym teacher who told her parents that she was a lesbian um, because like, you know, that, cause that's ridiculous. Like she wasn't ready to come out to her parents yet. And the gym teacher found out. And so she told, um, so there are, there are teachers out there who like just feel like, Oh, well I should tell their parents this thing, even if they're not ready or, and like, I understand that she was trying to help because, you know, like, uh, a pregnant teen, you know, she might not feel comfortable mm-hmm. telling her parents and stuff. And really, at some point, she's gonna have to. But like, but the thing is, is like, why wouldn't she just talk with Peggy about it, right? And be like, why don't you want to tell your parents? And like, I get that. Like, oh, the day she was gonna talk to her, she was out sick. Yeah. It's like, it's well, one of those, talk to her tomorrow. It's one of those writer things that. It brought the whole climax. It's like you have to, to a... bring her there. Although, I mean, the mother finally speaks out just before the teacher shows up. Yeah. They could have had. They they didn't need the teacher yeah, for everything the, to like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, cause because that... they they could have dragged the mother yeah. out to the dogs. Yeah, definitely. So, like, I I feel like. It Unless it was something where, like, it was one of those writer devices left over from a first draft before they mm-hmm. had a certain sequence of events. Or something like what you were saying where, you know, you know the actress, you're maybe writing it for this person. You're like, I want to, you know, sometimes that kind of thing, you just wind up taking it for granted. Like, oh, there's this character, you know, without really thinking about, well, do we really need this character? It kind of reminds me of the the teacher in Carrie who's trying to be, you know, relating to her. Yeah. And I I mean, it makes sense to have that element in this movie, but she didn't need to be like fully developed, I guess. They have, they created a whole backstory for her. And there's a deleted scene on the DVD where it shows her like at home, like lying in bed with her girlfriend talking about Peggy. And uh, she tells a story about like, Uh, it's been a long time I think it was like it reminds her of a girl that she used to know who had a lot of problems and so you you get the idea that like oh she's seen a girl in that situation and that girl is herself (laughs) but like it ended like tragically for the other girl so now she's gonna try to like save this girl right maybe if it was a better actor in the role we wouldn't even really notice how like odd it is yeah and I mean like I also from like a writing standpoint like i like the situation where you know he just fucking knocked out his wife yeah she's lying on on the floor and then the teacher show is at the door and it's like this just happened and it like you know because you're upping the ante you know you're making it more exciting i guess or more the tension is higher this is the suspense is higher because you're like what's going to happen now that makes sense but, yeah, the actual, I don't know, I think, like, they could have done it better in a way where, like, the teacher talks to Peggy and she talks about how she actually is pregnant. But, I mean, I guess, I don't know, we never really know 
how she got pregnant or what that story was. I mean, it's heavily implied that it was incest. Yeah. But, like, I feel like just because she doesn't have a boyfriend doesn't mean there wasn't something else. But I'm fairly certain that it was uh, either the father or the brother. I mean, the father was clearly okay with whatever the son was doing out in the cellar. And, like, I just imagine, like, he's like, well... It's time for you to be a man. Go fuck your sister. I'll show you how or something like that. Like, it's just... It's that kind of fucked up family that yeah. we're dealing with. Yeah. And it's like... Like, watching Deliverance was sort of like, oh, my God, I never want to go to the South. And it's like, watching this, it's like, oh, my God, I never want to go to Massachusetts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's the that's the thing with this movie is that this could be anywhere. Yeah. Because I don't anyone. think it ever says Massachusetts, but it's just like, because it says... It was filmed, filmed in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts yeah. so. And, like, you get the impression that it is, like, somewhere, like, southern, just because of, like, the guy's accent. But the thing about that accent, it's an accent that, I mean, here we are in upstate New York, there's people with that accent. I don't know. that. It's a weird accent, because it's, like, is it a class accent? Is it an accent that somehow aligns with certain political beliefs? What is it? What does it sound like? It sounds like just redneck which isn't any sort of part of the country (laughs) it just like i feel like anytime i get into a conversation with somebody and if at some point they use the n-word without any sense of irony or sarcasm or anything they tend to just have that accent (laughs) Mm. yeah i know the accent yeah, I don't know what that accent you is. You hear it on South Street a lot. It's always in the South. Yeah. Why I... always the South? Southlands Falls. No. South Wales. South America. <laughs> South Africa. Now, it was a lower budget film. As far as, like, the... Not the quality of the film, but... You know, sometimes you watch a film and you're like, well, clearly they had no money for this. Just because, yeah. like, it's shot poorly. Like, I feel like this was a fairly well-shot film. Yeah, definitely. And, like, there's, like, a, when we first meet the father, there's, like, this nice, like, kind of track up to him. Yeah, and with the, the uh, there's, like, a beautiful shot of, like, a mountain behind him hmm. that's, like, covered in trees. I really like the location that, that they chose for that. And when um, the son sneaks into the cellar, and uh is attacking the woman Mm. there like well first of all there's like the sound thing that i brought up earlier where it's cutting between like his like loud attack and then the quiet outside Uh, well not quiet but quieter and like the inner cutting i think was great throughout uh but like in that scene where like peggy's running from the house and like she trips and falls and she's still like i don't know i I think it's it's a very well-made film yeah definitely and it's like and they didn't have a lot of money but they just they if you have talent you don't necessarily need money and i feel like often i'll watch like lower budget films and that kind of gets thrown as an out as an excuse like oh well yeah you can't really judge it on the same level because you know like they didn't have a lot of uh, money or like and sometimes like granted if you don't have a lot of money that often means you don't have a lot of time 
Right. So you have to like cheat with some stuff, but like it can it can be done well if you if you plan ahead if you, if you have I don't know the right people the right amount of talent like budget shouldn't be an issue for quality. Yeah, I'm I'm actually trying to figure find out uh, what the budget was for this movie. You look it up and it's like, oh, three hundred million dollars. <laughs> oh well. Uh... Well, in that case, that was a piece of shit. <laughs> but again, you can't judge it by how much money was was spent to make it. I mean, I guess if it was like a billion dollars, where did the money go? They spent a billion dollars on this one movie. Why is anyone in the world hungry right now? <laughs> if you were wandering around in the woods one day and you saw the woman, what would you do? Well, I think at first I wouldn't think that she was feral. Yeah. <laughs> first of all. Um, I feel like it'd be more like, oh my God, are you okay? Because yeah. she just looks so like dirty and like there's blood on her. <laughs> yeah, and she yeah she's clearly like injured. And she might just kill you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if she would though. I mean, she acted hostily because she was, you know. Yeah. And she had to get back. She had a baby yeah. out in the woods. That it's like yeah, that's great that the wolf is taking care of it, <laughs> but like she needs to go. Like, she was out hunting food, presumably, to bring back to, uh... I don't know if she's going to feed the baby fish, but, you know, I'm assuming still, like, breastfeeding at that point. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what you do if you've... It's something to think about, because it's... I mean, it might happen. I know what i do. I'd get a net. I'd toss that net right on in. Drag it back home. <laughs> like, would there be... I feel like there is that sort of impulse to, like, want to... Capture her? <laughs> no, want to, like, bring her to civilization. Mm-hmm. But not, like, civilize her. Not tame her. But just be like, you know, this is all out here. And, like, you know, if you ever need food, I can buy some at this store for you. Or if you, <laughs> uh... If you're sick, I can take you to this big building over here they'll probably kill you <laughs> but um they'll say they're gonna help you so are you thinking like more just like the ethical issues of is it right to pull her out of that environment i mean if, if somebody's lived like that their whole life then it's probably best for them to just continue living that way but if you can't communicate with them you don't even know what if they're okay, like... In her case, I mean, she was... She had some kind of knowledge of English. So that, to me, indicates that, like, she was... She she wasn't born in those conditions. She was somehow subjected to it as a child. At one time, she had some kind of connection with quote-unquote regular people. There's a story it's not a story it's it's a true story i forget what it's called the there was like a feral child who was found is it the one um francois truffaut made the film about it the wild child yeah i think so yeah i have not seen that film i think i hear kayla coming she'll probably tell us about it are you I'm gonna stop you right there. <laughs> yeah come <laughs>
come come join us. You're gonna tell us about the wild child. We have a guest here with us now. Introduce yourself, and uh, we have a, we have an expert on the wild child, and uh, she will she will speak here. I am Dr. Kayla. <laughs> Meaning I've taken some psych courses and I know, I wrote a paper on uh, feral children. Yeah, for, yeah. For adolescent psychology, so I know a little bit about and, feral and, things. And you just watched <laughs> the woman with us. Yeah. So what was your what was your take on it? Well, at first I didn't know what I was watching. And <laughs> it was, it was, it was, uh... You know, I didn't really like it as much as you guys did. I don't... I think... It was very satisfying seeing uh, the the feral woman, uh, you know, attacking the men <laughs> that were just, like, despicable not, people. I mean, not just attacking them, um, but, like, hacking the child in half and I feel ripping like the, the I, man's I, heart out. Yeah, I feel like the father could have gotten a little more... Uh, they could have done a little more with that. Yeah. I mean, she literally <laughs> ripped she, his heart she out. She stuck and her fed hand in his, his chest <laughs> and ripped his heart out. But at the same time, I, I feel like I screen time wise, I feel like they could have stretched his death out more to make it more satisfying for us mm-hmm. because we, we all just really wanted him to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was, I was into it until she killed the mother, and then I was like. Because I, you know, I'd heard you said that you feel like it is like a feminist movie, and it is, but I think you don't think she deserved to die. I don't think I don't think she did, and I I think that doesn't I think that throws the whole feminism thing out the window. But because but, she was like you could tell she was abused by uh, her husband. Yeah, right. I mean, and she just, was allowing her children to be abused too. But I I understand that, but I mean, I'm not saying and, she deserved to die. <laughs> I'm just saying that's how I read why she killed in, her. In that kind of situation, well, I guess yeah, that's. But she was a mother as well, and yeah, her children were probably abused, and uh, I you know it it just from from the feral woman's perspective, I mean there is that really great scene where the husband is cleaning her and she picks up the, 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 the yeah, board the board yeah. and is like you know creeping towards him and you're just like smack him smack but him in the back of the head you know it's not gonna happen yeah. and like, she's and like, then she says I didn't know that she points out the uh how the eye hook is coming loose and the whole time the woman is like making like eye contact with the mother and it's like at that point, like she betrays her, yeah. Because she thinks like, oh, another woman, she'll save she'll me from me, this. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, honey, look, it's coming loose. You should, you know, secure that. Yeah, and it's like, and I, I thought that she could be turning at that point. I, I didn't, I, you know, I don't know how this whole thing is gonna play out. And so it was like, you know, and it wasn't that she was doing it to prolong, her, you know, this poor woman's captivity it was just like she was still under the she was under the fear under the under thumb the f- of, of, of yeah. her husband who yeah. was abusive to her like yeah. that husband character was I think I mean did its job like I wanted him to die yeah. and, it's, and he well, did well like I said earlier I mean like he's he was basically like 
the embodiment of what pure evil truly is just a complete lack of empathy for your sociopath yeah just like the son and Mm -hmm. like father like son you know it's and that kit too i just wanted to to (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad that they didn't like like not kill him <laughs> like oh he's just a kid, he's just a kid. He's, yeah he's like, just no no he deserved what was going no matter on. i mean he was just you know he was probably just gonna grow up to be just like his father i mean but anyway okay so you know a bit about real feral people yes will feral people <laughs> <laughs> a bit about this will feral person <laughs> is it anything like this movie <laughs> what feral people like um well cases where where the wild child which was done in uh film form by truffaut francois truffaut um which i've seen the movie and it's good it's a it's a great movie adaptation on like the story of a child that was out in the woods and a man found him and wanted to bring the boy back to civilization he wanted him to learn english and he was probably uh seven eight years old something like that maybe even a little bit older maybe like 10 but uh it wasn't that was just not it was not real it didn't happen um but in a case of something like a case like a person being out in the woods and learning from like wolf behavior like that was what the the wild child was about like it learned from wolves or whatever right like sort of like the the myth of somebody being raised by wolves right and that's there's also a myth about that with two uh twin girls i believe that they were raised by a pack of wolves but there's no real documentation on like if that actually really happened or um yeah so but one story which wasn't like it was a girl and uh her name was Jeannie and I love this story Jeannie right yeah because it's the saddest story that you could ever but most you love, you love this story because it's the saddest <laughs> it's, story you can no, ever imagine but it's sad because but it's uplifting as well because um it's a, a, a young girl who was born and uh her parents um brought her to the doctors because she wasn't acting normally and they the doctor said that she was retarded basically during I mean, but that term was used you mm-hmm. know, during those times. Um, and that was probably like in the 60s, I think. Um, maybe late 50s or something. But um, so they, well, the father um, was pretty much like the father in this movie. He like kept, he was, everyone was under his thumb. The mother was becoming blind um, I think she was blind or something or something. She became blind during that time. So she couldn't really do much. Um, the father kept Jeannie. That's what they, they don't know her name, but that's what they call her. Um, in like, a a crib. Yeah. And they like- had, they had like a grid, like over the crib. It was basically a cage. It was a for cage. Her. Yeah. 
Um, when she got older, uh, throughout time, they would not speak to her. They would come in and bark at her. So that's all she knew was like barking and just like they beat her when she was uh, older. Um, she was tied to a potty chair for days on end. Um, had no contact with the outside world until she was found. She was, um, I believe, 13, maybe like 12 or 13 years old. Uh, and I'm not really positive how they found her. It's been a while since. There's a movie about it that was made, but um, I don't really trust like a, that. Like a documentary? or a, There's uh... a documentary that you can find online, you can find it on YouTube, um, that the PBS uh, show Nova did. Mm -hmm. And it's fantastic. I would watch that. I, I love to watch that. It's, it's just good. Because you can see actual footage of Jeannie, like her way of walking was like hopping almost like a rabbit um like just kind of swaying and you could just she's she's very beautiful she i mean for a child like um but you could just tell in her face that she's just so absent and um but anyways um let's see what else so but so basically they they've tried to rehabilitate her yeah she was she was put um well there were uh some psychologists there were professors or teachers at like a college i don't remember this was in california as well um and they were trying to get her to learn language um so they would try to do like speech therapy all that um and she ended up learning language. She ended up learning sign language. Um, wasn't like fluent, but she started off like communicating in that way. Mm -hmm. um, it got further down the line, like when she got older, she was speaking. They got her to speak, which is like incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to imagine like just how there's such a short window of time where like people are actually able to learn language like that for their brain to develop in that way i guess yeah well they say the cutoff point for language is seven eight years old and it's uh it's is like a some kind of term i can't remember what it's called i think it starts with an l language no <laughs> it's it's uh it's like, Lago something? Is it L-O-G-O something? Like, I want to say it's like Linerman or something like that. Like, it was the name of a doctor or something that oh. came. It was a theory that language cannot be taught, um, or it's a lot harder to learn language after the age of seven or eight years old. Hmm. Um, and that's that's why I was thinking, like, the, the feral woman in this, like, since she's able to, like, pick up on... She seems like she's somewhat familiar with English. Like, she must not have been out in the woods alone mm -hmm. her entire life. She must have had some sort of contact, at least in her early years, so that the, like, the, the memories of, of English were some somehow there. Because mm -hmm. even just, like, getting... It's not even a matter of, like, 
being able to mimic it. It's like you have to learn how to form, move your mouth in the proper way yeah. to actually mm-hmm. form the words. Mm-hmm. It's something that like we take for granted, but it's actually it's more difficult when you haven't heard anybody do it, you know, and you have mm-hmm. no reference for it. Right. Um, yeah. Jeannie, um, she did learn language. She was sent to many foster homes, uh, continually, like, uh, getting, uh, moved from house to house, family to family, because they couldn't handle her. Um, she and en- she ended up in a, like, a non-for-profit home, um, which they haven't revealed where she lives or whatever, because it's all like, HIPAA regulated so to you don't per, know to if, prevent people from like seeking her out or right yeah <clears throat> the mother actually <clears throat> came back in contact with her um <clears throat> they would uh let her visit the mother and uh um and she wanted to be with with her mother but why th- why would they ever let her have contact with her child again well it wasn't really the mother it was the father um, so it was kind of like the, the father the ended up killing himself after she was found, um, probably because he knew that he would probably go to jail from what he did. So this movie, like the 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 story of the 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 family having this like other child that they keep locked up with the dogs is somewhat like reminiscent of what this real life story was it's true yeah yeah like where it's like oh we have this undesirable child and we're just gonna like basically bark at her you know and she's acting like a dog and like because that's how what she knows Mm -hmm. that's i mean that's like what really was disturbing about the movie is that like you know that like this kind of story has some truth to it and like people have done this to other people it's absolutely horrible. Yeah, it's it's real. I mean, that's not, like, the first time someone, like, was locked up in a room with no human contact, and, and it won't be the last. I mean, people are just sick i don't i i don't i don't understand yeah tim people are sick <laughs> why do you make us watch this sick movie i don't Damn. know i really hate myself right now we didn't know what we were in for i just thought like oh well i think it's a good film and it there's a lot of stuff to talk about with it but then that just leads to us all being upset <laughs> <laughs> i'm outraged i need justice god damn it Thankfully, but, the movie, within the context of the film, there was justice done to the... Yeah. yeah. And I love telling the story of Jeannie, because she is, like, one of my inspirations. I really... Um, that's why I wrote a paper about her. For uh, um, Actually, it was for animal behavior. I wrote a paper on, uh, on feral people, which was uh, kind of pushing it, but I got a good grade on it. <laughs> is definitely one it's it's nice to uh, to go to school and even though like i was there for so long and didn't really care about it there was a few things that i really did learn and and love um and that was definitely one of them but yeah the movie was it was 
it was all right. It was all right. How did you feel about them, like, all the, all three of the daughters going with the woman, like, into the woods, like, at the end, like, because it's somewhat open-ended, but, I mean, they're, they're leaving that place to go with her, presumably back to, like, her baby and stuff yeah. in the woods. Yeah. Huh? I don't know what to really think about because I mean the child I can kind of see like going with her like the teenager uh Peggy um that was her name right yeah it was Peggy um I mean she's grown like she she Mm. knows like there's probably no way to like really survive out in the woods like i don't i don't know i mean i guess the woman did has yeah. she's survived but but the but the, just... but the little girl she wound up in a magical fantasy land right yeah there what was the that what, what that was odd post credits uh little short i i don't yeah <laughs> i don't think that had anything to do with the movie and don't I don't think. I also she's like sailing, and and then she ends up like on a like a some kind of island, magical magical island, island, and it's like (laughs) where she meets a tree creature. It's like a plant creature, and it's like growing flowers because it's happy to see her. I don't know. I I didn't really. That's the kind of post credit scene that (laughs) more movies should have. That are just like these abstract kind of like yeah. Especially after that, it's like it was nice to have a little bit of like you know. Okay, well she's doing all right. A little a little whimsy. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of whimsy. Yeah. I can imagine post scenes like in, I don't know, Requiem for a Dream, (laughs) or Schindler's List. You know, little little post scenes of whimsy. probably wrap it up probably about a two-hour episode wow short yeah probably get it we can maybe even get it (laughs) under two hours that'd be something um cut out that five minutes where we were just playing with our phones and not saying anything and cut out that (laughs) conversation with kayla oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) now how'd you like being on mic i don't know i guess i'll find out when you edit (laughs) we should it was nice especially since i was like floundering to talk about anything (laughs) it's nice to have you come on i mean i do watch you know the movies with you guys when i do catch it so yeah Um, this is boys time (laughs) i don't really get to talk about like if i liked it or not you guys don't really ask <laughs> Don't we? We sometimes we do, right? <laughs> it's always so late when you guys are like done. I'm in bed. I'm like sleeping. Yeah, that's true. We were supposed to do this at six o'clock today. Yeah. And then, no. and then there was dinner. I knew when I was coming in that once I saw your car, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are still started. recording. Well, we were about to watch the movie at like ten, and like I was like, oh, Kayla will be here any minute. So we should just wait for her. So then we ended up waiting like over an hour. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you know. But can you imagine walking in in the middle of that, not having any idea, no build up? What the hell are you watching? (laughs) We'll have to get you back on again. We got to get a third mic in here. Mm. So I can just add my little. (laughs) (laughs) Kayla's Corner. (laughs) 
Well, you've I think had that some... movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> you've had some cameos. Well, um, me talking to police or, like... No, there was one uh, in the studio. Oh, yeah, probably. I, I think we were talking about something. Yeah, you pop up in the background sometimes. I definitely felt... hear you laugh on a few episodes. <laughs> Problem. Because <laughs> you say such... <laughs> Tim <Tim's... laughs> says the darndest things. <laughs> that we should just have a show. Oh, believe Usually me. Usually racist. <laughs> The amount of stuff I've cut out, you would not believe. <laughs> I should have been saving it all this time. Like, every every weird, crazy thing I've had to cut out. have a show called, That's So Racist! <laughs> I, I feel like you've left in everything I've said that could be interpreted as like racist. Like, we when we were watching the Oscars, <laughs> and um, I can't remember what movie... Oh, it was the the documentaries... And there was the one about Omar. Oh, no, the best foreign language film. Best foreign language right. film, and it was Omar. And uh, someone was like, oh, I, I thought Omar was going to win. And you're like, no, there's too many Jews voting. <laughs> I didn't mean too many Jews. Like, there should be less. I meant there were too many Jews to vote for a an anti-Israeli film. That is what I meant by too many Jews. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny though when you say things like that. <laughs> we know you mean well. <laughs> well. I think that'll about do it for talking movies this week. Um, next week, I wonder what movie we'll watch. Now that I kind of understand, you know, what kind of movie works best for this sort of thing. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, a movie where. Something that I'll have to figure out something that you, I hope, haven't seen or that you don't know what it is really, because hmm. that's what what was really cool about this was just not knowing what the heck it was, or when it was made, who made it, who any of the actors are like. But I don't know if I'll be able to find that movie or not. Well, I'll have to figure something out. So yeah, you know what I was thinking, and I was discussing this with uh with erica at wallabies after play fest you guys should do like a viewers request month like they pick your... you, you need listeners to do a listeners request <laughs> month <laughs> does erica listen she uh i think was i think she yeah she listened to one of the podcasts i'm sure if you got the list well on all the listeners <laughs> i mean facebook Colin, Erica, facebook Kylie. Like, <laughs> facebook will um will help with that i think yeah. if they see the post they will definitely because they want to give their feedback like they want to hey you watch this movie and see what you think and maybe that would actually get them if people who don't even listen yeah could would, say that and then they'll and listen to like, that oh, episode to yes yeah. there you go so you have yeah. like one viewer listener <laughs> listener they're not viewing anything <laughs> that's the whole point of a podcast um but yeah so i think you guys should maybe try that sometime because yeah. no we definitely will that's something that um I wanted to do. I just, I guess I've been kind of just waiting for more, like a larger listener base. But all right. 
All right, all right, all right. <laughs> yes. All right, all right, all right. Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Talking Movies. I'm Max. I'm Tim. I'm Gila. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha